The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. You also might be listening to this on the SportsGrid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined, as always, by Colin Drew. On this show here on SportsGrid TV, we break down every game that is in the main NFL DFS slate on Sunday, taking into account FanDuel and DraftKings salaries, going game by game. And uh, Colin, you know, it was, it was a pretty good week last week. Both of us had decent weeks, though uh, you were about one and a half Tyler Lockett steps from a million dollars. So could have been better. Could have been better, man. That was uh, tough. I was watching the play at the time, but I didn't really know like the full implications. But yeah, Lockett had that. Uh, it was like a four-yard pass on the goal line with three and a half minutes left in the game. Ended up being a great tackle by the San Francisco D-man, and it turns directly into a DJ Dallas touchdown. So it was like a 16-point swing, and I obviously hate myself. So the next morning, I had to go back and see how expensive it was, only to find out that I would have finished first in the FanDuel Millimaker if uh, if locked it across the goal line. So it was a good week, but it was almost an epic one. Yeah, and uh, you know, honestly, some costly injury reporting for Daily Rota subscribers last week because we were really bullish on DJ Dallas. We had him projected for about 16 PPR points. He ended up getting, I believe, 22 and a half DraftKings points. But the fact that we kind of loosely had to project Travis Homer and maybe some possibility of Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson playing and it ended up sucking because the low value running back or the low price tag running backs last week were all mostly bad other than him. Yeah, definitely. And I think from a strategy perspective, I think going into that slate, knowing that there was a chance DJ Dallas was going to be the only running back active was important. And that was something that I definitely did in some of my lineups um, because he was going to be 2% owned no matter what. There wasn't clear enough news and there was a possibility that both Homer and Carson would be inactive. There was also a very real possibility that they would be active, but it would just be an emergency only situation. That's basically what we ended up seeing. So uh, the people who did get there were Dallas. I think that's like why it's not as tilting is because I feel like Dallas was such a sharp play that the people who won with him really did deserve that. So we live to fight another day. We live, we live to fight another day, and we can go ahead and start going game by game into this slate, starting with Carolina at Kansas City. And I have to say, just on the face of it, uh, I love this game for DFS purposes. We have the return of Christian McCaffrey. We are not, however projecting him for his full workload right now i'm seeing him projected for about 20 DraftKings points that's you know about five points less four points less than he would be kind of in a normal week we are giving mike davis uh you know a, a decent portion 
of the work. You know, I think enough to call this probably like an 80-20, whereas when Christian McCaffrey was full-on Christian McCaffrey, he was really getting about 90% of the backfield work for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, and I think probably Christian McCaffrey will get there eventually, but Davis was so successful in the role that I, I do think that they kind of ease back into it with the first game back. There is some upside for McCaffrey, obviously, but um, I think that's why we we have it. I think this is a pretty good game to stack. The price tags are up on the key skill position players from each team. I would say the Carolina wide receivers, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, perhaps still at a value that they could be included inside or outside of game stacks. But Kansas City, you got price tags up on Mahomes. If you are going to stack this game, I do think you need to consider mixing in one of those cheap wide receivers, whether it's Demarcus Robinson or Michael Hardman, who I know you'll be pretty into after he played on uh, almost a season high snaps and, and had, you know, both of those guys had ceiling games, but Hardman especially was part of winning game stacks. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the problem when you get into Kansas City Chiefs game stacks is Mahomes is really expensive. Travis Kelsey is very expensive. Tyreek Hill is very expensive. And for all of those guys to pay off, obviously they have to score more. Like if you are going to do a double stack with Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill, you are going to have to have probably like 90 to 100 points out of those guys, just those three roster spots in order to put together, you know, a, a tournament winning score. So I think, you know, an easier way to do that is to play Michael Hardman is to play Demarcus Robinson. Looks like we are not going to have Sammy Watkins back active for the Chiefs this week. And I think the price tags on all of the Panthers guys look really solid. You know, we have DJ Moore at 5,600, Robbie Anderson at 6,300. I'm wondering if this ends up being a popular game stack. Do you think people head back to Curtis Samuel after the two touchdowns last week at 4,400? No, I don't. I don't think it'll be super popular. There are other good game environments as well that have higher totals and more competitive scripts. And um, I think the prices on these ones make it tough. I do think like the double stack in Carolina, bringing it back with one chief is probably more affordable, but I don't think a lot of people go that way. And it is something we saw last week, a lot of weather games as well. And so we're at that time of the year now where whether it's rain, wind or snow, there are some weather conditions that can change things up as the week goes along too. And obviously plans again in Kansas City and the Aerodome, I mean, it, it can end up uh, a little dicey there sometimes too. So I would monitor weather right now. It looks like potentially 17 to 25 mile per hour gusts. Yeah, so the 17 to 25 mile an hour gusts, not great. I'm wondering, would you and every Mahomes lineup require a double stack? So, you know, with Kelsey, oh, yeah. with Hill? Yeah, I think I think He's, that's right. And then also the running backs. What do you do with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell? I mean, last week, Mahomes gets like 45 <laughs> DraftKings points, and those guys combine for like six fantasy points. I mean, are, are running backs just dusty in Kansas City right now? Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, you, you are seeing, we do have it projected as a time split uh, between those two guys, and there are game scripts that where Kansas City's run the ball like 40 times this year against the Bills. And so it is possible. Um, but I think Bell has been priced up too much to really get into. I mean, he was chalk last week, which is a little crazy. But he shows there are still some leaks in DFS players clinging to some narratives. I think Edwards Hilaire would be the preferred back at 6,100, but definitely not a primary target. Um, and even when Edwards Hilaire was playing, it still feels like they're throwing the ball so much in the red zone. Yeah, I think that probably, you know, outside of MME runs, I think you can honestly kind of ignore both Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because the split seems unfavorable to both of them, kind of in a way that makes both of them not particularly plus EV plays at their salary. Moving now to Houston at Jacksonville, the Jaguars somehow have a team total of 21 and a half despite... They're either going to be starting Jake Luton, a sixth-round uh, rookie quarterback, or Mike Glennon, 
I think they'll probably end up going with Glennon, but I, I can't really say right now. The Houston Texans have a team total of 28 and a half. And, you know, the, the Jacksonville guys seem sort of interesting just because, you know, the Texans' defense has been so bad. DJ Shark is 5,200. LaVisca Chenault is 4,200. Keelan Cole is 4,000. Um, so I, I am kind of roughly interested in these Jacksonville skill players. And I, I also think that this game makes an interesting kind of stack because so many of the skill position players are cheap. Yeah, I I definitely agree. And from a value perspective, it felt easy to build in this game. If you wanted to game stack it, it felt easy to build that way. The Jaguars as bringbacks, especially. I mean, let's be honest. Neither of us are looking at stacking the Jaguars side of things. We're more interested in the value pieces. And I think DJ Chark has a lot of potential. You know, obviously one of the heaviest targeted wide receivers in the red zone. So that puts Chark in play. And then Visca's price is so nice for a PPR scoring format. The QB situation is hard. I don't know if it'll depress ownership or not. It definitely makes you a little bit more less comfortable with those guys. Um, but I still think it's bringbacks are great values. And then the Texans like offense has been more pass heavy. Watson hasn't been running as much. So that has increased the correlation that he has with Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, even a Randall Cobb type play. So I definitely like game stacking this uh, double stack on the Texans side and then bring it back probably with just one of those two pieces. And if you were going to build multiple teams, you could kind of diversify rather than honing in on one or the other. I think Chark has the most upside, but uh, with the QB situation, it's obviously a little bit uncomfortable. Would you care which quarterback? Is there a guy that you would prefer to start between those two or is it just like whatever? I actually think I would slightly prefer Glennon just because there's less chance of getting Danucci with Glennon, right? Because yeah. if, if if Jake Luton comes in, it might just be all like four yard screens, three and outs. So like Mike Glennon is a bad NFL quarterback, but like at least he's an NFL quarterback. At least he has shown that he can be a backup quarterback in the NFL. Like Mike Glennon is probably one of the best 70 quarterbacks alive or whatever. And like that, that is probably better than the mystery box that is Jake Luton. Yeah. And I know you're you're not going to tap this guy, so the people at least need to hear that David Johnson is 5,600. He's getting somewhere between 65-75% of the team's carries, including most of the work inside the red zone as far as rushing attempts. Watson hasn't been utilized as much around the goal line this year as he has in the past, and he's still getting like 8% of the targets as well there. So a guy that probably can get you 20, maybe 24 DraftKings points, probably can't get you 35, but on a slate where value isn't easy to come by yet, I think that... David Johnson is in play on the slate. Well, yeah, I mean, you said it because I definitely was not going to. Uh, okay, moving now to Baltimore at Indianapolis. An interesting game because Baltimore is missing, I believe at last tally, seven key defenders due to testing positive for the coronavirus. They are missing, I think, three of their linebackers. They are missing Marlon Humphrey. I think the thing that gives me the most pause about this game is Lamar just looks terrible, but... Mark Andrews is 4,800. I mean, just given how, like, his touchdown upside, I mean, Mark Andrews looks like uh, just an incredible play at 4,800. Yeah, definitely. And we've already seen a couple multi-touchdown games from him this year. And a guy that is not going to get, like, he's not going to get Travis Kelsey level of targets. So the floor on Mark Andrews is, like, six points. But the ceiling is definitely two touchdowns. And so price, it's come to a point where it's very reasonable play in a lot of different formats. Colts do have one of the top D. Um, Marquise Brown, are you buying into the squeaky wheel? He sent out a tweet earlier in the week saying, like, if you got a soldier, you got to use him, something along those lines. And it's deleted now, but uh, he is asking for the ball a little bit more. I don't think I'm going to use Marquise Brown in this matchup, but a little bit of a squeaky wheel narrative. I think Mark Andrews is the guy. And obviously, we're waiting to see 
the news and whether or not Mark Ingram will be back this week because J.K. Dobbins did see a lot of the snaps for this Ravens offense. They didn't use Justice Hill as the third running back at all last week. And so um, I think that Dobbins has some upside as well. I definitely think that Dobbins has upside. He might have the highest upside relative to price tag of anyone in this game other than Mark Andrews, because if he comes out and gets something like 40% market share of the rushing attempts and gets 10% of the Baltimore targets, he's like, he's also shown in a short sample in the NFL that he has, like he just is beating his efficiency stuff. He leads the NFL in yards per carry right now Uh, on pro football focus. He leads all running backs in forced missed tackles. And I don't think that a lot of this stuff is predictive. I think it's descriptive of what a guy has done, but I, my prior would be that J.K. Dobbins is really good and that he is better than Gus Edwards. So I, I will probably mix J.K. Dobbins in as a one-off pretty liberally this week, I think. Yeah. What about Jordan Wilkins? I mean, matchup against Baltimore is not great, but you did mention they're very banged up on defense. The Colts total is not great either, but Wilkins saw 20 carries last week with Jonathan Taylor nicked up. $4,200. Are you interested at all in that workload? Or is the matchup just a pass? I don't even really think it's matchup based. It's just like, I don't really buy that Wilkins is a lock to see this workload. Like yeah. if, if Taylor is in the game and he's feeling better, you know, then maybe they get more Taylor. And even this, I mean, seriously, like we kind of have to account for the fact that, that Trey Burton is taking goal line carries away from the Indianapolis running backs. And they seem to also throw to the tight ends a ton in the red zone. Trey Burton and Jack Doyle scored touchdowns last week. So in a three-way split, difficult matchup, not a great total. I the Dobbins, Dobbins and Andrews seem like the guys that I am in on in this game this week. Not not super interested in anyone else. I mean, maybe Burton himself. He's 3,500. He's not projected well, uh, but I, I think that he's got probably more touchdown upside than a lot of other cheap tight ends. Yeah, that's fair. That, I mean, all those takes are fair. I think it is a three-headed split at tight end now as well, which we saw last week. Yeah. All right, moving on now to the New York Giants at the Washington football team. This game might end up being like a, a total zero. I mean, I, I guess McLaurin is playable. Maybe maybe Antonio Gibson, but I, I'm not really looking to play anyone in this game, I don't think. Uh, and, and we're not even getting like a, a, a particularly good tight end discount on Logan Thomas. I guess 3700 for Logan Thomas seems fine-ish. Yeah, I, fine-ish is about representative of this game. There's not a single player that you're really in love with, but there are some players that are fine-ish, and Terry McLaurin is one of those. His price has come up a little bit, and like on FanDuel, they just don't have enough touchdown upside. So it's just hard, really, to get there. And then on DK, this game projects for one of the lowest play counts as far as the other games. So definitely a game that you're not looking to stack at all. Um, and I think there are guys who could maybe produce value, but not overall super exciting. Washington football team D, I think, is in play as well. And then I guess Sterling Shepard at 4,800. He has led the team in targets in the two games since he's been back. And I think it's possible that he takes over the target lead for that team. Darius Slayton, um, 5K. I think both those guys in this matchup, they could probably get there's one-offs, uh, but not core plays. Guys in 150 lineup build, maybe I'd put on five, uh, maybe 10% max. Yeah, I mean, I think that seems mostly fine. Let's also do real quick here, uh, Chicago and Tennessee. I think this game is very similar. Like, maybe you could play Derrick Henry because he is going to be 1% owned, you know, kind of like when the Titans played the Steelers. But 
I, I guess, and I guess maybe AJ Brown as well, but I, I am completely out on Bears skill position players. And that's even with David Montgomery, you know, looking solid in our projections. I actually pulled this the other day. David Montgomery, since Tariq Cohen got hurt, leads all running backs and expected fantasy points, but has underperformed his expected fantasy points by 25%. I mean, he just seems terrible. This this week in general, there's a lot of terrible options at running back right at that same like fifty six, fifty seven hundred dollar price point. None of them feel good, but they all project as decent value. David Montgomery is one of those guys, so I'll probably swallow it. Play a little bit of David Montgomery. Um, I mean, I think Allen Robinson is basically in play in most matchups, and Tennessee is definitely a, a good matchup for them. So I guess that would be another option there. And then on Fanduel, I'll probably go back to Corey Davis again this week. He was one of the guys I had in. Uh, the majority of my lineups in MME, he was on that team that almost shipped the Millie. And it's a tough matchup for him, but the price is it's pretty nice. Yeah, the price is solid. And I guess I just would always say that A.J. Brown has like, you know, he just can take a slant 70 yards to the house. So if you were going to tell me I want to play, you know, they and the, the Titans do have a reasonable team total at 26. So if you were telling me you wanted to play him, I would be fine with that. Yeah, I feel like Brown is just priced up too much at least on, on dk and then i guess johnny 3900 on dk would be in play position you're always looking to pay down there and chicago does have really good perimeter corners and so that could funnel some of the targets to the slot and so i guess johnny i feel like is in play even though he he's been a little bit disappointing since coming back from COVID. seattle at buffalo and this looks like our game of the week this looks like where we are going to see loads of ownership i think that we're going to see russell wilson being incredibly owned i also think that at seven thousand dollars on DraftKings, we are going to see a lot of josh allen i think we'll see a lot of steph Diggs, and i think that the bills secondary wide receivers seem interesting in this game uh we don't have great health reports right now on the seattle running backs obviously if they're in the same situation as last week i think we will be interested in dj dallas but we just don't quite know yet yeah definitely a wait and see situation and it seems likely travis homer will be active this week again and he'll probably be a little bit more healthy and so if you mix carson that would be probably enough to move me off of that situation um but Dallas, if he's active in the same role as last week, is a pretty good value. I mean, I think you nailed it. Like, double stacking games with Seattle in it has been a print fest. And it hasn't been an overly popular approach either. And I see no reason you can't go back to it. I guess some tough matchups, tougher for Lockett and Metcalf than they've had in the past in a, a tougher like, game environment slightly. But the the total is still there and really concentrated between those two guys if Russ does go off. Yeah, I, I think that this will probably be the game that I focus on the most this week. You know, obviously playing a lot of DK Metcalf, playing a lot of Tyler Lockett. But I think the way that the Buffalo offense functions, even with, you know, John Brown at 4,600, we have uh, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. I, I prefer Moss to Singletary, but I think there's some reason to play even Beasley at 5,400. I mean, you're going to get like no one's going to want to play Cole Beasley for 5,400. Like it, it just seems it seems like that's the most puke play ever, but this should be one of Buffalo's, you know, highest uh, pass rate games of the year. Yeah. And I think the price on Allen is nice. I think the price on Diggs is fair. Um, and I guess the hard thing is just if you're going to double stack Josh Allen, like who else are you picking up there? Cause it hasn't really been there for John Brown. He's been battling injury on and off, but he's not seeing consistent targets and Cole Beasley is, but like you said, that price for Cole Beasley, it's not like you're getting 30 point upside from him either. So 
I don't know, maybe it sets up similar to that Kyler game where you go Allen Diggs, bring it back with both Seattle wide receivers rather than double stacking Allen. That would require you to punt, obviously, a lot of other positions, including tight end defense and one or two of the running back spots. Yeah. So one thing I think that is worth discussing about this game, though, is have the Seattle wide receivers gotten so expensive? Do they have, you know, 2019 Chris Godwin, Mike Evans syndrome, where only one of them can go off at a time and, you know, one of them will have 40 DraftKings points and the other one will have like nine? Like, is it is it too hard and are they too, um, are they too volatile to continue this Seattle double stacking? Yeah, it's it's so wild, right? And, I mean, it's tough, like, being the one yard away from a million bucks with the double stack last week, not having it get there. You've seen explosive games out of both these guys. And some of that is matchup driven perhaps, but some of that's just variance as well. And if Russ is going to throw four touchdowns multiple times the rest of the season, there are definitely going to be slates where both of them pay off. I don't think you're going to see one guy eat up all of the alpha share. I guess the issue is, especially on DraftKings, DK Metcalf's price has come up where you're paying a big premium you're basically choosing between him and someone like Dalvin Cook. And I think that's where it gets tougher for the double stack is deciding between those two guys. And I don't really value wide receiver cornerback matchups too much, but it does seem like it'll be one of Metcalf's toughest matchups this year if he does get shadowed by Trudevarius White. Yeah, um, and I think there there are some people out there that are like really buying into the wide receiver cornerback matchups with Seattle. And if that starts to really influence ownership. Like if Metcalf projects as single digit owned on FanDuel or DraftKings, I think that is a clear attack spot to me, basically because I, I just assume that, you know, DK Metcalf is DK Metcalf and, and he can't really be covered. So I'm I'm looking to actively fade those wide receiver cornerback matchups when they are bad for Metcalf. Yeah, I think that makes sense, especially given his profile and the talent. Yeah. Um, all right, moving to our next game, we have Detroit at Minnesota. You, uh, you've been the game stack whisperer with Minnesota thus far. So what are we doing? Are we in on Stafford with these newly cheap weapons? And, you know, one of the things we know about Detroit is that they are very game script sensitive in terms of how they choose to allocate their play calling when they're ahead. They really go into a shell when they are, tra- uh, you know, when they're trailing, they go very pass heavy. We have TJ Hawkinson at 5,100, Marvin Jones at 5,100. Danny Amendola at 3,700. I mean, it, it seems like this would be a good spot to deploy those guys. Oh, it seems like it should be a good spot in theory until you start looking at the names and like, how much can we really trust the roles that you guys are going to have? And earlier in the season, when Kenny Galladay went out, it was actually Quintez Cephas who stepped up and played a bigger role. He seems to have ceded that role to Marvin Hall, at least the past few weeks. But would it be shocking to any of us if he stepped in and played just as much as Marvin Hall did? This week, I don't think it really would be. So I'm probably not going with a game stack here on the Detroit side um, as far as like a core building block with the wide receivers. I think the way I would think about it is potentially going with Matt Stafford, DeAndre Swift, who's at a 5K price involved in both the passing game and the rushing, adding one of the pieces like TJ Hawkinson or Marvin Jones. I think that would be my preferred way to stack the Detroit side of this game. Yeah, and you know what? Also... We are we're going to see absurd absurd ownership on Dalvin yep. Cook this week. I mean, thirty he, carries got, last week. Yeah, he, he has the he has the smash last week. Um, he he get he's priced up some, but not like you know crazily at eighty two hundred dollars on DraftKings. He gets the matchup against Detroit. Like there is there is going to be so much leverage on Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Like I I think that those guys are they they look like two of the best plays of the week to me. Yeah, I mean Kirk Cousins too. It's 
it, it, I mean, every time you roster him, you have to plug your nose just because it's not going to feel good at all. But you have to hope either they get behind quickly or they make a couple big plays. You're really hoping they get behind quickly, though, because that's the only script where they're not still just going to lean really heavily on Delvin Cook. So I think um, if you are going to stack Kirk Cousins, you definitely have to bring it back with the Detroit Lion. And otherwise, I think that individually, even if Cousins doesn't have to throw a ton, one of Jefferson or Thielen can get there and they would provide a lot of leverage off some other wide receivers as well as off of Delvin Cook. Delvin Cook should be the cash game building block of the week. And I think from a value perspective, he's the best running back play in the slate considering the matchup. Would you agree with that? He'll project like far ahead of Derrick Henry and uh, with Christian McCaffrey workload concerns. I think people prefer Cook there, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I expect that uh, I expect that he probably will be the highest owned player in cash games. You know, I think that he'll be the guy who's like 80 percent or whatever. So I, I am uh, I'm, I'm with you on that. And I, you know, I certainly plan on rostering him in my cash game lineups for sure. Any any are you are you willing to take a stab on Irv Smith Jr. at twenty nine hundred dollars in game stacks? Sure. I mean, I think if you just want to throw a guy in the tight end slot, I think that's fine. Um, I think we saw, especially in smaller fields, sometimes you don't need the perfect lineup. And we did see some um, triple stacks with Irv Smith payoff earlier this year. Seems fine. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely, it definitely does seem fine. Okay. We have our next game. I, I think this one is sneakily great because I think that Denver at Atlanta, I think Denver just gets behind right away. I think they, they basically enter this game down 14-0, and then, you know, we know what Atlanta does. They love to they love to cough up these leads. And Drew Locke is, uh, he's certainly not good, but he has shown that when they're trailing, like he threw 41 passes last week, he threw 40 passes the week before. They have a semi-condensed passing tree there, so we expect Noah Fant to lead them in targets, um, then Jerry Judy to be behind him. They have not been throwing to Philip Lindsay at all. They, I mean... You'll never hear me say this. I do think you can play Melvin Gordon in daily fantasy contest this week. I think that I think that's a real thing. But I also think guys like KJ Hamler and Alberto, given their prices, I think that they are playable in game stacks as well. Yeah, I guess Alberto, he saw such a reduced role with Noah Fant last week, kind of returning to health. So I struggle to go back there. Um, but. Yeah, and I guess the other thing we're waiting on is whether or not Tim Patrick will be back in the lineup just because that could decondense the target tree for uh, if we're using some fake words, fake lingo here. And I do think Judy Fant will be involved regardless, but it would kind of eliminate Deshaun Hamilton and perhaps just spread out the targets a little bit more. If you are going to double stack lock, I think the value is there, and that's probably what's so appealing. And I think the other thing is that the game stack is super appealing because Julio Jones projects for 27% of the team's targets. And Calvin Ridley is out this week as well, um, expected to be out with that foot injury. So you have a good bring back if you want to double stack Denver as well. Um, if you double stack Matt Ryan, I think you can make it affordable. One of the things that I think will be interesting to see, it does seem like Christian Blake is Calvin Ridley's direct backup. He's the guy who played on 60% of the snaps after Ridley went down last week, whereas Olamid Zacchaeus we had seen pop up when Julio went down. So um, if you wanted to double stack the Atlanta side, I guess like Blake at 3K would be at least like somewhat intriguing as a way to get a cheap stack in there with Ryan and Julio. Uh, I'm probably not going. I'm probably not going to Christian Blake, but I, I'm just sitting here and I'm looking at salaries. I'm looking at projected. Well, you know what? 
I, so I, I think this is what's confusing is Olamide Zacchaeus had looked like the direct backup to Julio Jones. And I guess maybe that Atlanta just does it like this. Like Blake is is Ridley's backup. Zacchaeus is Julio's backup. And then Brandon Powell is Russell Gage's backup. So instead of having like a fourth wide receiver, I guess they have every wide receiver position have their own backup. I, I mean, I can't say that for sure, obviously, but it, it looks that that is the way that they're trending. So, I mean, I'm just looking at this game, Drewby, and I'm like, this is the game I want because I think that Denver's defense is you know, really overprojected. I think I see a lot of cheap pass catchers here, um, you know, and I don't have to play Todd Gurley, so that's nice as well. <laughs> yeah, Hurst 4100, I think, is a nice price tag too, especially if you think he gets a little bit more to bite off this week with with Ridley out, especially in the red zone. Uh, yeah, I I think that I think that seems about right. I and I I guess I also want to make the point. I think that. Noah Fant might be getting a little bit under projected. He's 4,600 and to me, well, actually we are projecting him very well, but I think overall he might end up getting under owned because he hasn't had, you know, like a true smash game or anything like that yet this year. But I, I anticipate that this does end up being a big Noah Fant game. So I'm very comfortable with him as a one-off in my other tournament line. Now heading to what looks to me like, again, a very sneaky game, the Las Vegas Raiders at the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a super high total here. The the Raiders with a team total of 26, the Chargers with a team total of 27. And what what's interesting about the Raiders is they have this team total and you're like, who do I play? Because you don't really want to play Jacobs in a game where you think they're going to trail. And I guess I guess the answer is Waller. And I guess kind of the answer is rugs, but I don't expect those guys to carry ownership at all on the Las Vegas side. Yeah, and I think the game logs especially don't look good for the Raiders as well. And they played in that slot fest last week. So anybody who's kind of opening them up, thinking about it, clicking in, it's just going to be such a turnoff immediately. So um, I, I think from a value perspective, there's there's definitely value with stacking both sides of this game. On the Vegas side, is like all the, the key pieces are in a four to five K price range. And so you can get like stacks in there for like 16 K total with a double stack with pretty high correlation. And I think Waller is the piece you want the most of rugs, obviously huge play potential, but hasn't been seeing consistent targets kind of what we expected from him this year uh, profiles like the Deshaun Jackson type, but for sure has like the talent to end up breaking a slate open and a game script where they're going to have to throw a little bit more this week. And then, the Chargers offense is so highly concentrated, especially at the wide receiver position that I think Justin Herbert stacks are pretty affordable. And then picking one of those Raiders as a bring back, especially Waller, is something that is easy to fit in this week. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things we should look at, I think one of the, the big things you should think about in terms of game stacks is like, can I just fill that pesky tight end position? Like, can I just get tight end taken care of in someone who can get there in the, in the course of the game, someone who can provide 20-plus DraftKings points. And I think on both sides of this game, we have that. Darren Waller can pretty easily get 20. And I think, you know, Hunter Henry certainly has not done that yet this year. But, like, every week Hunter Henry shows up when you go to run your optimals on Wednesday to go register for your games, you're going to get a lot of Hunter Henry because it just always seems like he kind of pops. You know, he projects for 11 to 13 points depending on the opponent and the projected game script. And, you know, both of those guys can fill in game stacks. I think Keenan Allen looks like he's still underpriced. Uh, I think all of the... the uh, Running backs. Char- yeah, the Chargers running backs. I mean, I think you can play Justin Jackson and Josh Kelly. I 
my guess is that the Troy Main Pope stuff goes away, that he was active, and that I think he got 17 touches last week. My guess is that we do not see nearly as much of Troy Main Pope this week. Now, that could be wrong, but that is what my guess is right now. Yeah, I saw he got popped. I haven't seen an injury report for them yet this week, but it did look like he got his bell rung. So I'm going to want to be checking out the injury reports there and would feel better about those guys. Especially Kelly, you'd feel better about taking a stab if something was out with Pope. I think Jackson will get worked in regardless, and he's been one of the more targeted backs that they've had since Eckler went down. So definitely good there. The other just last piece of news, Brian Edwards could be back for this game. That really wouldn't impact Ruggs' role at all. Wouldn't impact Waller at all. But I do think it would shift things a little bit with like uh, Nelson Aguilar or Hunter Renfro types. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think your your easy game stack here is you go Herbert, you pair him up with Keenan, Hunter Henry, you bring it back with Ruggs, and then if oh, you I, use... I like I like the Mike Williams, Keenan, and then bring it back with Waller. That's I'll, I'll take the 2v2 there. Well, what I was going to say is you, you put Waller in the flex, and all of a sudden you have, like, the gal-brain combo that you're, you're guaranteed to not be duped with double tight ends this year. Like, you can put that in any contest, and you're like, yep, I'm good. Yeah, so uh, that that's pretty nice. And... A game that is going to garner, like the total here is not great, but Miami at Arizona, the Cardinals have a team total of 26. The Dolphins have a team total of 21 and a half, but all the Dolphins are cheap. Matt Breida did not practice on Wednesday. So, you know, and then obviously the Arizona guys are going to be popular, but this this game early on, projection systems are a fan of it, I think due to the, the pace of the Arizona offense and what they do to opposing teams. What are your, your holistic thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, the first one is Kenny Drake being injured and what that does to the backfield, specifically with Chase Edmonds. Edmonds, they had enough time to account for this injury, right? So Edmonds has been priced up. He's not a free square, especially on DraftKings, but he has been involved in the passing game, and you would expect him to play the lead role in the backfield. It's just a question of whether or not it's just going to be him and Kyler running or whether or not they'll mix in some, you know, Benjamin. And I I guess that's where I get into some of the concerns on the card side, and I think the popularity of Edmonds can help dictate how big of a stand I want to take on or off him. If, if he ends up being projected at a reasonable level of ownership, I definitely think that the talent matchup and opportunity is going to be really solid. But um, there are some concerns, at least in the back of my mind, because it's not like the cards have been looking to load up one running back this year and they haven't really been loading up Edmonds with carries. So uh, how do you make like that, that backfield? Are you concerned at all about, you know, Benjamin or are, are you viewing Chase Edmonds as one of the better value plays? Yeah, I'm viewing Chase Edmonds as, I think, probably like the second best running back play of the week. I We have been projected fairly, but I would rather play Edmonds than Josh Jacobs. I would rather play him than James Conner. I would rather play him than James Robinson, because I think probably what happens is they're going to play Eno Benjamin or Jonathan Ward a little bit on first and second downs, but I think that Chase Edmonds now is going to get those goal line touches that Kenyon Drake was getting all of, and you know Edmonds was already like a pretty involved part of their offense before he's had you know multiple games over 15 PPR points. Uh, he has yeah, I mean on the season he has 32 targets in seven games. He's already scored three touchdowns. Like he has already been um, a very solid part of their offense. And this is just a great matchup because you know we we expect Arizona to play downhill in this game. So I I think that I you know I can see Edmonds racking up 30 plus PPR points here you know pretty easily. Yeah. And then what what about the backfield for the Dolphins? Miles Gaskin is out for at least three weeks. You mentioned Brita wasn't practicing. Brita, not really a bell cow profile anyways. More of a guy you'd think about 
they had Jordan Howard active earlier in the year. They were using him really heavily in the red zone, but haven't had him since. Um, and then they had an acquisition as well, but maybe not time to acclimate to the offense. It feels like there could be some value opened up here because 4K price tags is pretty nice. It's just tough to tough to sort it out right now. Yeah, so this backfield seems fascinating because, you know, do you play a 4K Miami Dolphins road dog running back on this slate where we, you know, we have Chase Edmonds, we have Dalvin Cook, we have the Chargers running backs, we have James Conner in a great spot. We have Melvin Gordon, who's pretty cheap, you know, and the other thing is, and I haven't really heard this talked about much on, you know, on DFS podcasts or anything, but the Dolphin or the DraftKings moving the running back floor salary from 3000 to 4000 actually does, I think, make a pretty meaningful difference in how much you want to do with these running backs who are maybe projected for like 12 PPR points. So like, let's say, you know, Gaskin doesn't play, Breida doesn't play, and we're looking at Jordan Howard and then maybe DeAndre Washington is able to end up getting active this week. I think the NFL rules don't allow DeAndre Washington to be active. I think he has to pass like five straight COVID tests, and I don't think that there are enough days in between when he got traded and when the game has started for him to be active. Like, what do you do if the backfield is Jordan Howard and Patrick Laird? Do you play Jordan Howard at 4K, like knowing he has no pass catching upside? Yeah, I'm just happy that I don't really have to make that decision because I've got a good buddy who I work with, uh, this guy, Davis Maddock. He's really tight with Patrick Laird, and he'll be able to get me the entire scoop on what's going to happen in the Dolphins backfield, slip it directly into my DMs, and then I'll just be able to make the optimal play from there. Well, I have bad news for everyone listening to this. If you want inside info, I know that Laird hurt his ankle in the Dolphins game last week, and uh, that does not bode well for the team deciding to load him up with carries this week against the Arizona Cardinals. You know, even if Washington doesn't play, also I think probably they would leave Malcolm Perry and Lynn Bowden both active last week. Um, when I, I don't remember when the Dolphins played, but they left Lynn Bowden inactive and they activated Malcolm Perry. So this might be a situation where, like, all of a sudden we're, we're looking at this game and we're like, Oh, they have four running backs active, none of whom project for over 25% of the carries, none of whom project for meaningful passing work. And that might be the case before lock. And then, you know, the game starts and we're like, oh, Lynn Bowden's not playing at all. Malcolm Perry got like two gadget snaps and Jordan Howard has 18 rushing attempts and four targets. Yeah, like DJ Dallas situation all over just for a team with the worst total. Yeah, like it really could be one of those things. So maybe... Maybe there's a little bit of value in, um, you know, in leaving some late swaps this week to try and see what happens with uh, with that Miami-Arizona game. Because I, I do expect that, uh, you know, I do expect we're going to be able to find one of these guys being playable. Uh, and then on the Arizona side, I mean, do you have any interest in in stacking Kyler with DeAndre Hopkins this week? I, I don't know if the Dolphins are really going to push them. And they're all pretty expensive. You know, Kyler is 7,800. DeAndre Hopkins is uh, 8,200, the most expensive wide receiver of the slate. I, I don't know if I'm that interested. And that's not super interested, but I do think it would be a differentiated roster construction compared to other quarterbacks that are, you know, if people are paying up, they're looking to do it in a different way. So maybe some differentiated roster construction and probably not interested in it either. Um, not, I mean, the price is fair matchup is decent, but he wasn't running a lot last week. And so uh, that's, I probably leaned away from that too. Yeah. Um, all right. So our last game here, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers playing at the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys have a team total of 14. 
They're probably starting Garrett Gilbert at quarterback. Uh, I, I believe the Mike McCarthy quote was they needed someone with a little bit more NFL experience this week. <laughs> they are they are just going to get roasted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I guess the question you have to ask yourself is, you know, are the Steelers going to be calling passing plays in the second half? Uh, and it's not like the prices are outrageous on the Steelers guys relative to their team total. We have uh, James Conner, who's 6,900. That's very affordable. Deontay Johnson is 5,000. I expect him to be a very popular cash game play uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is 6,200. Chase Claypool is 5,700. Even Eric Ebron at 4,500. You know, all of those guys have very easy individual matchups. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess the the concerns are just whether or not they have to stay aggressive. And then for like James Conner, it seems like he's in a great spot to get like 16 to 22 touches. But if they're blowing them out, then it's not necessarily, and they have some depth in the backfield with Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland. It seems unlikely that he's going to be put into a situation where he touches the ball like 35 times like Dalvin Cook did or whatever last week. So um, 6,900, I think it's a fair price. I think it's a guy that I want in some lineups, but doesn't have to be a guy that is like a key building block piece because they do have some other backs that I think they would mix in, especially if they get ahead. So are you interested at all in stacking this game, knowing, you know, how pathetic the bringbacks are going to be? No, man, I don't think I can do it. I mean, I rostered Ben DiNucci on that showdown slate, and it was just like cringeworthy. Um, I would say that Dallas is willing to throw the ball a lot, and they're willing to run a bunch of plays. And so I could see a scenario where like one of these wide receivers gets there. I could see a scenario where one of them gets 10 to 12 targets and is able to pick up a bunch of garbage time yards. Last week, Michael Gallup ended up putting up one of his better stat lines of the year. Um, and I, I don't know. I guess that's the maybe CeeDee Lamb, maybe Michael Gallup, uh, but not interested in stacking it. And even those plays feel really bad. Yeah. Uh, the other question is, what do you do with this fearsome Steelers defense? I think the yeah. most expensive we've ever seen a defense be on DraftKings. They're priced at 4900 but... Playing against Garrett Gilbert and this patchwork offensive line, I mean, do you ignore them? What do you What do you do? So the first thing I thought about was like, what point do they cripple you if you play them? And if they put up sixteen points, I feel like I'm still fine not having them between the salaries saved and hoping another D gets within like five points. No, and they have to get twenty five. Yeah, and. I, I, I mean, that happens, what, like one out of 20 times, maybe, in this matchup? Yeah, I think I think one out of 20 times sounds about right. But I probably will not play them in single entry or MME, or, or single entry or three max at all. I'll leave them in my MME pool, and if they get 25, it's great. I also probably would do, um, if Steelers defense, then James Conner rule, just to, you know, really... Ma- I get Well, maybe not, because you need the defensive touchdown, so maybe, actually, yeah. that's bad, but... My favorite, I'm going to go with Denver and Atlanta, and I'm going to do it for a couple reasons. One, I don't expect any game or any player from this game to be popular other than Julio Jones. I think we'll see Julio Jones be fairly popular with no Calvin Ridley in the lineup. And, you know, his price tag is not absurd, so he's going to be used as a one-off. But I expect that all of the secondary Atlanta wide receivers, so, you know, Hayden Hurst, Russell Gage, Christian Blake, I think we're going to see very, very low numbers on those guys. And, and I just don't think people will play the Denver guys at all. I just really, I do not think we're going to see Noah Fant, Jerry Judy. I don't think we see, maybe Fant gets over 10%, but that would be the only guy who I would expect to see, you know, 
heavy ownership or anything like that on. And, you know, obviously Seattle Buffalo seems like the the hashtag game of the week. But again, you know, we do think those Seattle guys are going to be extremely popular. Yeah, and they're definitely harder to fit into. So your game stack is one of the better ones from a value perspective without having to like gut the rest of your lineup in pieces. And I think the other game stack that is great from a value perspective is the Las Vegas Raiders and the LA Chargers. And the thing I like about this is that you can game stack it multiple ways, both within the same team and um, by flipping the quarterbacks and double stacking the other side of it. That makes it really good for three maxes, kind of like cascading it down throughout the stakes swapping one player in and out. But my favorite way on FanDuel to stack this game is with Derek Carr, Henry Ruggs at a price tag of just 5,700. Very cheap would allow you to fit in the top end running backs on the slate over on FanDuel. And then you have Darren Waller who easily could outscore all the tight ends. He's 6,400. So a more competitive price, but a game where the Raiders could get up. And then obviously if that does happen, you get a lot of Keenan Allen targets going back the other way. Yeah, um, I, I like that game a lot. I think what one of the things we really should be looking for in terms of game stacks is like we just can't be crushed by these random guys having four for 85 and a touchdown. Like you really you really want to have it be part of a condensed target tree. The Chargers have maybe one of the most condensed target trees in all of the NFL outside of Seattle. On the Raiders side, it's a little bit harder to pin down because you have to deal with the Nelson Aguilar troll touchdowns. Hunter Renfro played 11 snaps last week and had uh, four receptions and a touchdown, so you, you can't really survive that. But also the, the the weird weather with that Raiders-Browns game last week did probably play into that a little bit. Uh, so we're going to wrap up here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. Everyone make sure to check out DailyRoto.com for the best NFL daily fantasy projections and optimizers that you're going to find. All of our premium content is available there as well. So head on over and check us out, and we will be back here next week. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.